Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Galvin? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 42. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. You know, we are still in the middle of the free agency period and things have died down. We're now into the second wave of free agency, but that doesn't mean there aren't a lot of things to talk about. The Eagles had another busy week since we spoke last. However, they are still woefully short at one particular position. We'll get into that. We'll take a look at some of the draft prospects that are coming into Philadelphia for a visit with team officials. Vegas is out with some of their early odds for Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl contenders and uh, the Eagles make an interesting proposal having to do with the Cowboys and Thanksgiving. So we're going to get into all of that here uh, over the next uh, hour or so and joining me to do that as he does every week is the man who runs BleedingGreenNation.com May he forever reign, Brandon Lee Galton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Galton. BLG How you doing buddy? John I have some terrible news for you. I don't now see that's that is no way to start off a podcast. Just I have ter- <laughs> like I mean, how would you like it if I'd walked in? Tell me the terrible news. Tell me the terrible news. I am going to be playing running back for the Eagles this year. I mean, they they no. needed someone, and you know they called me up, and it's not going to be pretty. You know, I'm six foot nine. That's just way too tall to yeah. be running back. Even if that didn't matter, uh, I'm just not very fast at all. So it's it's not going to be good for the Eagles this year. Too tall to be a running back. Too tall to be a defensive end. Really, too tall. To play football, BLG. I mean, is there Some a position on the field you can be six foot nine and 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 be successful? I mean, I think I could be like a red zone tight end specialist kind of deal. Okay. Uh, okay. Block it all, but you know, I could. I think I could get a jump ball at some point. That's probably about it. Well, we are going to get into the running back situation here in just a few minutes because they might be calling you at some point if they don't get this position addressed here, uh, either through trade or free agency or with the draft coming up here. Uh, we'll get into all that coming up uh, because uh, that is a big uh, topic of concern among Eagles fans. But uh, we're going to start off uh, episode 42 here with some of the moves the Eagles did make this week, and we'll take them in chronological order, starting with the most recent, and that of course is the Eagles announcing that they are bringing back Vinnie Curry to a one-year deal worth two and a quarter million dollars. It could go up to three and a half million dollars with incentives. The 30-year-old was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year after spending the first six years of his career with the hometown Eagles. He grew up an Eagles fan, as you all well know, was part of the Super Bowl championship team, had 22 sacks in six seasons with the Eagles. And last year for Tampa BLG, kind of a down year for him. Started seven games, had just two and a half sacks, 15 solo tackles, but uh, was dealing with uh, an injury for much of the season. I don't know. I, don't, I know this has been talked about uh, once free agency started, that uh, it was likely that Tampa would release Vinnie Curry and that if that happened, the Eagles would swoop in and swoop in, they did. So what grade do you give the, the Vinnie Curry signing? What do you think about it? Yeah, so um, I guess I'm going to give it like a, a B 
a solid B. I think it uh, makes about sense for him. Maybe that's even a little low, maybe B+. Plus. I mean, I think it's a solid move. Uh, they needed more depth at defensive end after trading Michael Bennett and with the Chris Long situation up in the air. And really, that's kind of maybe that's funny. Maybe it's not everyone. But for me, at least, that's kind of what I think about the most when I think about this re-signing. I'm not even thinking about Vinny so much. I'm thinking about, OK, what happens now with Chris Long? As we've talked about here, has been very specific about how he's going to be watching the defensive end room and how crowded it gets to make his decision on if he wants to come back or not. And I've kind of felt like that the Eagles weren't going to resign Vinny Curry, not because they wouldn't be interested in him as much as just like they were kind of leaving that spot open for Chris Long. That was my kind of thinking. Now, I don't think signing Vinny Curry definitely means Chris Long won't be back. But, you know, my thinking before was that spot was being saved for him. And now it's not so much. So I don't know. I kind of just don't know for sure where that stands. I would love to have Chris Long back. But while we kind of just wait on that one, because they're still, you know, they pushed one of the things in his contract back, I think, till after the draft. It allows the Eagles to, to go forward to not have to make that commitment right now. So we'll see how the Chris Long thing shakes out uh, in short. But for now, uh, I like what the Eagles kind of have shaping up here. Defensive end. I mean, you have Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett as your likely starters in 2019. Those were your starters for the most part in 2018 prior to Derek Barnett getting hurt. Uh, Vinny Curry, I imagine, you know, is going to have a significant role as a third or fourth defensive end off the bench. And I think that's good. I think Vinny Curry kind of had an underrated season in 2017. If you look back at it, it was his best overall career by in terms of, you know, how pro football focus graded him out and, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, you know, you look at him in their rankings, he ranked 10th overall and run stop percentage. And that kind of matches up with the eye test too. Like I remember Vinnie Curry kind of always had that, like a, a bad rap as a, a bad run defender. Yeah. Like yeah. that really changed in 2017. I remember there was at least like a player to a game where he would just like someone would try to run to the edge or running back would try to run out to the edge. And Vinny was just there like to stop them in their tracks. I almost feel like he became a better run defender than a pass rusher at that point, which is weird because it used to be the opposite for him earlier on in his career. But even in 2017, he still ranked 35th out of 109 teen edge rushers in pressure rate so you know you look at those numbers in 2017 and they were really good and you know he's coming back to this system he's no longer playing in a tampa bay defense that allowed the most points in the league last year and he's also not going to be dealing with the injury hopefully now he is a little bit older so i don't know if he's giving you the kind of production exactly that you got from him in 2017 but i think he's going to be closer to that than he was when he was struggling with the buccaneers last year look you're only paying 2.5 million for this guy if you look at the other contracts or edge rushers out there, like there's guys who got more than him. Like Marcus Golden, you know, signed for one year, $3.75 million with the Giants. You know, you look at um, Shaq Barrett, one year, $4 million with the Buccaneers. Bruce Irvin, who's 31, a little bit older than Vinny, signed one year, $4 million with the with the Panthers. So, like, that's pretty good value. The reports are that Vinny turned down offers for more money with other teams to come back to Philly. And I think that's true. I mean, he's obviously an Eagles fan. We already know that story by now. And he just genuinely sounded like he's thrilled to be back. I was listening to him today on the conference call, and he just said, like, these guys are his brothers. His teammates, like, they're not just – it's not just about football for him. Like, these are these are his best friends. So he's glad to be back. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. You know, it's not like a home run move by any means, but I think it's just a real solid move. I agree with that, and I, I think uh, Vinny Curry – 
we heard was dealing with a high ankle sprain for much of last year, and that was uh, one of the reasons why maybe he wasn't as productive. He was also playing in a different scheme, and uh, maybe a scheme that didn't utilize him in, in, in to the best of his abilities, and now he comes back to Philadelphia in a scheme where we know, especially in 2017, like you mentioned, that he flourished. And, you know, we talk about Vinny Carey being being older. 30 years old is, is not ancient. I mean, he's significantly younger than Michael Bennett, who the team traded away. Yeah. Uh, Bennett was a far more productive player than Vinny Curry was last year, obviously. And But, I mean, I don't know that Bennett is necessarily going to have the same kind of season in 2019, given his age. And when you're talking about Chris Long, Chris Long is substantially older by at least a couple of years uh, over Vinny Curry. And I think that is, you're right, that is pr- one of the more interesting aspects of this signing is what it means for Chris Long's career. And we know that he's been contemplating retirement. And one of the things that has been a major consideration for him as to whether or not to come back to Philadelphia is playing time. How many snaps is he going to get? What percentage of snaps is going to be there for him with Brandon Graham coming back and with Derek Barnett hopefully healthy and ready to rock and roll and with Vinnie Curry there? And, you know, you're going to hopefully get something out of maybe get some more playing time for Josh Sweat this year because you spent a fourth rounder on him last season. You know, are we getting to a point here where the Eagles, I know there's been a lot of criticism they're getting, you know, they're old on the defensive line, but if you don't bring back Chris Long and you don't bring back Michael Bennett, you're actually, seems to me, getting younger along the defensive <laughs> line. So, you know, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that I see exactly where Chris Long fits on this defensive line right now because I don't think he's going to get the percentage of snaps that is going to make him happy, BLG. Yeah, and I, I, I hate that. That's a bummer because I think Chris Long is still a really good player, and it almost makes me wonder if they would trade him at that point because I, I think he still kind of wants to play. Like Just listening to him and in his interviews and really looking at his body of work last year, like, I don't think this is a guy that needs to retire. I think he still wants to play, and you know maybe he does retire because he feels like, okay, you know I'm not going to go through the whole thing of them making them trade me and just all of that. And he's just going to retire. Maybe that's the case, but maybe he's going to try to force the issue if he can, if it makes sense. And if the Eagles can kind of get something back in return for him. And so I wonder if that's almost on the table. Now, whether the Eagles trade him or whether he retires, they would save $5.3 million in cap space. So that's kind of the upside to not having Chris Long back. I mean, I'd rather have him back than the cap space, but I'm just saying like that's the bonus you get. And another thing, by the way, to keep in mind with Vinnie Curry and why it's a big deal or it's a significant factor in signing him is that he doesn't count towards their or against their comp pick formula, yeah. I should say. So since the, the Buccaneers cut him. So that's just another or another factor to the move that kind of makes it an extra bonus. But yeah, I don't know what's going to happen here with, with Chris Long. I think the bottom line line though is with whatever happens out like I still feel pretty good about this defensive line room like don't you like you have yeah it's one of the best in the NFL one of the best in the NFL and I think it has a chance to be the best in the NFL because one of the other things we haven't talked about BLG is what if they spend their first round pick on an edge rusher what if they spend one of their second rounders on an edge rusher that leaves even less playing time for Chris Long but probably makes Mm -hmm. it a stronger defensive unit yeah that's the other thing too and that's probably why again they push that deadline back after the draft, so they can Chris Long can kind of see, see what they have. Yeah, yeah, what the deal is there. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, even the guys they have right now, like let's say they don't even add anyone, and let's just say Chris Long isn't back. Like that, that would be the worst case scenario. So you have Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. I'm really excited to have BG back, man. Like 
he's going to be healthy this year. He was clearly not healthy last year. He had off-season surgery in May, which is late for off-season surgery on yeah. his ankle. You know, he didn't come into the season 100%. He's ready to get after it this year and kind of get back to the level he was before he was last year. Uh, Derek Barnett is going to be in his third year. He's still only 22, I think. Like, he's pretty young, man. Yeah. Like, I know Benjamin Solak isn't the biggest fan, but I, I think we saw some growth out of Derek Barnett last year before he got hurt. I think him being another year older and having more experience, I think we'll see him potentially take that step forward. Uh, Vinny Curry is just, you, you know what you're getting out of him probably in this scheme. He's going to be a solid player for this team. Josh Wett, I think bringing back Vinny Curry is probably not a good move for him. Uh, not only because he's probably going to be losing his jersey number in 75. It's going to go back to <laughs> That's right. Uh, I just don't think he kind of showed enough. And I kind of go back to the fact that they were so thin at defensive end at points last year. Like Bennett was hurt and guys were banged up and they were only down to three or so defensive ends. And Jim Schwartz loves to rotate his guys. And ideally he has like four defensive ends playing significant snaps. But even then they still didn't really trust Josh Sweat. And then he got hurt, which is another issue with him. But you look at a guy like Deshaun Hall, who they acquired late in the season. And he like barely played. I think he only played like, I don't know, 25, 30 snaps or so. But like he showed me a little bit of juice in those snaps. And again, small sample size, not even a lock to make the roster. But he was like a former third round pick, I think back in 2016. So I'm interested to see him. And then you have the coaching staff praising Joe Osman uh, this year. And again, maybe that's nothing. Maybe he's nothing more than a practice squad player. But the point is, like, they have some guys that even beyond, like, the starters, like, there's still some intrigue with some of these guys. And I just feel like shifting your attention a little bit and looking at not just the ends, but the way they can uh, move their guys around. Like Vinny, you can put him on the interior on third down and have him rush from there. And at that point, you know, I just think that makes the pass rush better to have a guy like that. And, and you bring in Malik Jackson and you're, you're upgrading just your your pass rushers in total. So, you know, even if Chris Long doesn't come back, I would love to have him back. But even if he doesn't, and even if you don't get a top pass rusher in the draft, which they very much can possibly, I just still think they have a really good unit here to work with. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be a very good unit. And that's one of the reasons that Malik Jackson wanted to come to Philadelphia. He wanted to be a part of a, a great defensive line because, you know, uh, he and uh, Fletcher Cox in the middle is just going to make those ends even better. So, yeah, no doubt about it. I think the Eagles have a top five defensive line heading into next season on paper anyway. Uh, one of the other moves the Eagles made this week was to sign safety Andrew Sandejo. And one of the things I've noticed with all of the signings this week, BLG, and we'll get to that with the third signing uh, in just a second, is that they really seem to be targeting guys who had good 2017s and dropped off in 2018 because of injury. And Sendejo was certainly one of those guys. It's a one-year deal for the 32-year-old, primarily a run-stopping safety at this point in his career. He's going to serve as the team's number three behind Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. BLG, the most important thing he does is he gives him a real depth piece. I mean, you're not going to have to deal with with Corey Graham anymore to not have to have him on the field no matter no matter what Sendejo gives you as far as you know I know he's not the strongest guy in pass coverage but it's got to be better than Corey Graham right I mean anything's better than Corey Graham <laughs> yes I mean I think he'll know where to be on fourth and 15 hopefully with the game on the line yeah you'd and think overtime uh, I would I would hope at the very least um sorry to bring that up for everyone but yeah man uh with this signing just thematically like this is what Howard Roseman does he he fills the holes on the team before the draft comes up the Eagles needed some kind of third safety and they can still add one in the draft if they want to 
you know, you don't want to go into draft like having to get that guy. And if you don't get him, then like, oh, well, you're out of luck. Like, so I think that's what you kind of do with Sandejo. And I've just felt like the safety market had too many guys on it. Like so many safeties got onto the market this offseason, some unexpectedly too, where it just felt like there were too many veterans out there for the Eagles not to bring in a third guy at some point. And they got that guy in Sandejo. I don't know even if he's fully guaranteed to make the team because, again, they could draft a rookie and maybe someone beats him out potentially. Um, the contract is reportedly for $1.3 million. I don't, I'm not sure how much of that is guaranteed. Uh, if any, we'll see. I think it's a solid signing. Again, it's you have to consider that we don't know 100% if Rodney McLeod will be ready for the start of the season. Like I think they're, yeah. I think he would be because he suffered the ACL slash MCL back in um, September still. It was only week three. So I, I would think he has a good chance to be ready for week one, but maybe he misses a game or two. And if that's the case, you can kind of put Sandejo in there and have him hold down the fort for a little bit until McLeod potentially is ready to get back. So I think that's the idea. I think the fact that they've had safety injuries these past couple of years, you know, they're just trying to stress adding you know more depth at that position. And I think Sandejo gives them the flexibility they want to play or they want to be able to do in terms of, you know, playing these sub packages such as the big nickel or their dime package so it makes sense in that vein and again it doesn't really rule out them drafting a safety as high as the first round if they wanted to and then all of a sudden you know you have four quality safeties so i i just think you know it makes sense it counts against their comp pick formula for now but i don't think it's a huge deal i think they can potentially still get four comp picks depending on who else signs elsewhere or again if like sandejo struggles or whatever they can just cut him and then he wouldn't count against the formula at that point anymore so We'll see how he does this offseason. He just needs to prove he can stay healthy. If if he does stay healthy and he does make this team, like he is gonna knock the crap out of someone. <laughs> I know he got I know he got the crap crap knocked out of him by LeGarrette Blunt. And yeah. we'll all think about that. But I mean, that's not him even sucking. Like that's that's large you know, that's in large part to LeGarrette Blunt being like a two hundred and fifty pound running back who's a beast. Um right. but yeah, I think Sandejo is gonna like seriously just knock the crap. It might be an Eagles player, so that might be frustrating, <laughs> by the way. Like, he might that. just totally yeah. obliterate um someone like uh I don't know, Nigel Bradham. Like he's he's just gonna knock the crap out of someone this year. I don't know if it'll be an Eagles player, I don't know if it'll be an offensive player, but someone is going to get hit hard. Yeah, he played in just five games last year, suffered a season-ending groin injury against the Eagles, but was uh, graded 45th out of 101 safeties last year by PFF, but in 2017 was 20th overall, according to PFF's grades. So, uh, again, a massive upgrade over Corey Graham, no matter how you shake it down. Uh, and then the last signing uh, the Eagles made this week was they re-signed uh, Ronald Darby to a one-year, $8.5 million deal. Uh, he went out on the open market, BLG. The Eagles uh, let him test free agency. He visited Kansas City. Uh, I usually think that when a player goes to visit another city, there's a really good chance they're going to sign there, but ultimately he decided to come back to Philadelphia. Are you surprised that the Eagles were able to get him back on a one-year deal, BLG? I mean, I'm not shocked. You know, I think we had been talking about, we'd been hearing some buzz that the Eagles really wanted him back. I mean, Ron Darby even said that in his interview with Ian Rappaport. He said the Eagles really wanted to keep him. And sure enough, they did because they made him, you know, a pretty okay offer. It wasn't really great in the scope of going into free agency. There was talk that he was going to get like $12 million per year. I think SpotRack projected he could get like $15 million or $13 million, like something crazy. Of course, that wasn't considering the injury, so you have to take that for what it's worth there. But yeah, I mean, he went on the visit in Kansas City, and there was some kind of buzz out there from some kind of radio host that he failed his physical. 
which explains why he didn't sign with the that Chiefs. would do it, yeah. Yeah, so not a good <laughs> thing. And then it was so bizarre because I think it was last Friday morning or last Thursday night that Antoine Odom, who was a former NFL defensive lineman, like randomly just tweeted, yo, Eagles, announced the Ronald Darby contract one year, $8.5 And it was just like so out of the blue. It's like, is this guy like <laughs> – is he breaking this news right now? So, you know, I wrote a story on that and it was just so it was so weird. It was just out of left field. But he was right. He was he had the exact He's right on the money. On the money. Yep. So I don't know if like they share an agent or you know, or that used to be his agent or what. I don't know. I don't see where the logical connection is there. But anyway, shout out to Antoine Odom for getting that big scoop. And yeah, it's it's an interesting deal, right? Because it's it's one year. It's only eight point it, it tops out at eight point five. I think really it's only six point five and then there's two million in incentives. So okay. that's really interesting. You know, Ronald Darby was arguably the top cornerback on the market. Now the injury obviously hurt him, but still like he's only twenty five. I think it's an interesting signing because I think it's probably the most controversial move the Eagles have made this offseason other than possibly hmm. the Michael Bennett trade I think it's in terms of being like divisive I think a lot of people are kind of like why are we bringing Ronald Darby back because the defense had success without him late last year and we already have so many young corners and like I see that logic I get it if that's how you feel I'm not gonna begrudge you for feeling that way at the same time I guess if I'm putting myself like if I'm putting myself in their shoes and seeing like their perspective on this. Ronald Darby is a 25-year-old talent who they traded a third-round pick for in 2017. So, you know, this is a guy they have some modest or some decent level of confidence in. I think he's their most physically gifted corner, I feel like, from a raw talent perspective. He's their fastest cornerback when he's healthy, clearly. I think he's had some games where you've seen him struggle in terms of missed tackling, or getting beat. You look at the Titans game, the Buccaneers game from last year, there are certainly some issues. But I also think back to a game like week one last year against Julio Jones, where if you just look at Julio Jones' numbers, it's not super pretty. But like if you go to back and look at the film, I mean, he pretty much like kept him in check the whole game. I think they don't win that game if Ronald Darby isn't playing. So, right. you know, we've seen him have that kind of number one quarterback potential there. And my guess that they're thinking is that they – Quarterback is not a position for them they can easily just figure out, right? It's not like, yeah, you know, we've got this. No, that that has not been the case for the Eagles for a very long time now. So I'm kind of thinking they're just trying to throw as much as they reasonably can at that position. And when you have the chance to bring Ronald Darby back at a pretty decent value, I think it makes sense to do that. And I think you kind of just figure it out. Like you have – I don't know who the hell is going to be starting at corner this year because you have – Ronald Darby, you have Jalen Mills, you have Avante Maddox, you have Sidney Jones, you have Rasul Douglas, you have Craven LeBlanc. There's so many options there, but I guess that's yeah. not a bad thing. I think they're just going to try to throw a bunch of stuff at that position and see what shakes out. And I don't think that's the worst approach given how they've really struggled to kind of find stability at corner over the yeah. years. And especially how they how, how they value that position in this offense too. It's defensive line and it's cornerbacks and safeties, man. I mean that's that's yep. why they're not doing a whole lot with linebacker. I mean they're gonna just they're gonna lock in on those two areas of the defense. So yeah, I I, I understand bringing Darby back and uh, giving yourself as much depth at that position as you can. You know I'd like to see this group um, next year get a few more picks, a few more turnovers, a few more interceptions here and there. But um, hopefully that comes with a little bit more experience from some of the younger guys. 
as well. The one thing I have noticed here, BLG, and it's one of the things the Eagles have in some circles been criticized for is, are they signing too many older players here, BLG? I mean, we, we, we see bring with Curry and with Sandejo and not so much with Darby because Darby is, like you mentioned, still in his mid-20s. But uh, the, the Eagles bringing back Brandon Graham. I mean, they, they've just, they have invested in some players who are on the wrong side of 30. What is your take on on the the thought that they're signing too many old players? Because for me, I see them signing old players, but I don't see a lot of long commitment to the old players that they're bringing in. Are you, is this uh, Joe Giglio on the podcast all of a sudden? How, did you replace him? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm saying I, I, the question's out there, and he's one of the people that have asked that question for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's fair. I'm just kidding. I like Joe. Um, but, yeah, he definitely brought up that point. And, I mean, it's fair in the sense that, like, yeah, it's true. They're bringing in older guys. Is it really that abnormal? I mean, I don't think so. You look back to 2017 when they brought in Chris Long and Patrick Robinson and Corey Graham and LeGarrette Blunt. And even during the season, they brought in Danielle Ellerby. Those are all very much older guys. And it's not like they're building the core around these guys. Like they're not saying this is the core of the team. Like that's not what they're doing here. I think these are very much supplemental pieces. I right. think these are very much players who have proven they can still play for the most part. Like Deshaun Jackson's going to turn 33 this year. Yeah. But guess what? He led the league in yards per reception last season. So like right. – I'm not going to acquire him just because of a a number of his age. Like that doesn't make sense. You know, you have to look more into the age. Now I get in theory, like you always want to get younger. Yeah. And that's nice. Zach Berman had a point out there. I'm really just chopping names by the way, in this pod. Um, (laughs) I can tell. And again, I don't, nothing against Zach, but you know, he made, I think a fair point in that he said you could look at guys like Rodney McLeod and Brandon Brooks as examples of pieces you could be building around in free agency. I don't think that's a fair example because those signings happened back in 2016 when the Eagles had a lot more cap space to work with. And they also didn't have a franchise quarterback contract looming on the horizon right now where the Eagles are. They're not signing those kind of core pieces there because they need to play the comp pick game and they need draft picks because those are more valuable than ever, especially because that's the way you get cheap young talent. And that's how you fit all of it in with your cap space. You need to be able to hit on these draft picks. You can't just rely on building through free agency like that. You know, for all the criticism that they're getting older, like who did people want them to sign out there that was younger? I don't understand, you know, who who the alternatives were, were here, uh, especially if you're signing these younger guys, they're going to be more expensive. Like that's just how it works. Part of the yeah. market inefficiency, if you will, I think, or at least that, I think that's how the Eagles view it, is you're getting these older guys, yeah, but they're cheaper. I mean, again, Vinny Curry, $2.5 million. Like, I think that's good value as opposed to, like, what did you want them to do? Go out and sign Zadarius Smith or Trey Flowers to, like, $18 million a year or whatever they got? Like, no, like, they, they they don't have the cap space to reasonably do that. I mean, if they really wanted to do it, they could, but then they're, they're being hamstrung elsewhere. So I think it's fine. I think in general, again, you always want to get younger. I think what this signifies in with all of these older resignings is that the Eagles really see a window to win this year in 2019. Like they see that. And you're seeing that in the contracts, by the way, too, how they're like spreading all these cap hits out over the years. Like they're trying to lower this year's cap hit as much as they can because they're willing to sacrifice a little bit in the future for this year. I think that's how they view it. I think that's why they're also bringing in these older guys. Like, And I think that's fair. They, this is a team <laughs> that won the Super Bowl two years ago, lest we forget. 
they see themselves in a position where they can win this year. And I think that's how they should feel. Why not? They were such a great team in 2017. They have the best quarterback in the division, the best head coach in the division. You have reason to feel good about this team contending, I feel like. So why not kind of push all your chips into the middle while you feel like you have this window and you want to maximize it now as opposed to just, I mean, you you have to have some kind of eye on the future. That's just any kind of general manager job. But I don't think they're sacrificing so much for the future that you can't balance that out with trying to win now. I think they're making win now moves, and I think that's fine. Well, BLG, coming up, we're going to take a look at the one position that the Eagles really haven't addressed at all here so far in free agency. We'll dive into that next on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. BLG, the Eagles have addressed defensive end. They've addressed defensive tackle. They've even addressed linebacker a little bit. They've they've addressed cornerback. They've addressed safety. They've addressed wide receiver. Uh, they've addressed a little bit at, at offense on the offensive line, uh, bringing back Jason Peters. But the one position that they have not touched at all this offseason is the running back position. And it's one of the positions that we came into the offseason most interested in seeing the team improve in. And so here we sit on March 21st, and we're now into the second wave of free agency. And my question is, why? Why haven't they addressed this position yet? I really wonder what it is they're waiting for. There are some options out there, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, Spencer Ware, uh, TJ Yeldon, Jordan Howard, Duke Johnson, just some of the NFL players that are out there. You know, I wrote a piece this week for Bleeding Green Nation about uh, the possibility of the Eagles taking Josh Jacobs in the first or second round and the history of the Eagles drafting running backs in that position and the history of NFL teams uh, taking running backs early in the draft. And, you know, that's like every other position in the NFL that's hit or miss in the draft. I'm just overall confused at what the Eagles are accomplishing here at running back because this to me is a position it's it's a vitally important position on this team they may not view it that way but they need some some talent at running back in in order to help out Carson Wentz and to help out the passing game yeah I mean their running backs under contract right now are Wendell Smallwood Josh Adams Donald Pumphrey Boston Scott and who am I missing? I don't that's even not, know. It doesn't matter. It's not getting it um, done, man. Corey no. Yeah, like that's those are their five guys under contact right now. But I have to believe they understand this too. Like it's not just us. I'm pretty sure you know they know they need to do something at this position. And I almost feel like the delay in addressing this position kind of makes me feel like they have something planned. I don't know what it is. I look at the fact that Spencer Ware left his visit with the Lions without a contract, so they could potentially still get him. I look at the fact that. Jay Ajayi, who visited the Colts on Wednesday, left his visit with the Colts without a contract. And again, you kind of look at what happened with Ronald Darby. He went to Kansas City, visited, didn't get a contract there. He came back a couple days later. He signed with Philly for a pretty reasonable number. Maybe that's BLG, kind of what the, yeah. can I make a prediction? Can I, yes. I, I, they're bringing back Jay Ajayi. They're bringing back Jay Ajayi. I, I think that's it. what's going down. Yep, I, I'm and just calling it. I, the way you get him back to, like the point of being willing to let someone visit another team like they did with Darby is that lets you drive the price down because at that point it, it ruins the player's leverage, right? Because he can't, the player can't be like, well, you know, I have other teams out there interested in me. Well, the Eagles can be like, okay, then why didn't the Colts sign you to a contract then? You know, so they, it gives the Eagles more leverage. So I'm trying to say when a player goes like that and visits and they don't get a deal. So we saw it with Darby. Maybe it happens with Ajayi. But even if you resign Jay Ajayi, again, he's coming off an ACL injury. So like you still need to do something there, even if you bring him back. Like you might need to sign him or, or resign him and 
bring in Spencer Ware or something like that. Like you, you have to, I feel like kind of throw some more options at that position still. And I think we will, they're going to do something in some kind of either trade or free agency. Duke Johnson is still out there in rumors. I think Adam Kaplan was kind of talking about him this week on the radio. And he was saying that, uh, there's a lot of interest there from one team in particular, and he wouldn't say which team, but we all know Kaplan's pretty plugged in when it comes to the Eagles. So yeah. you can connect the dots there and think it might be Duke Johnson. And by the way, I think he only said it would cost like a fifth or a sixth. So if that's the case, the Eagles should obviously be all over that. Yeah, um, no doubt. Another cap one thing, and while we're talking about the running back position, apparently on their podcast that they have, um, him and Jeff Moser were talking about how Josh Jacobs is actually in play for the Eagles pick at number 25. Like apparently they like him. And they said to not be shocked if the Eagles took a running back, which would be shocking because they haven't done it in, what, 33, 34 years? Yeah, um, not since Keith Byers in 1986, yeah. BLG. That's the last time the Eagles took a running back in the first round, man. So maybe that's in play, too. Maybe, I don't know. But we will all very much be interested to see what they do here. It just feels incomplete. You know what I mean? Like you're looking at the offense and you kind of want to get fully excited about it. But it's hard because you're looking at the running back position and you're being like, oh, man, like, the offseason's not over. They can still do stuff here. I'm not panicking, but it's just like, can you do something? <laughs> can you give us some kind of thing to kind of be at least excited about, even irrationally at the position? Like, you can't do that right, right now. You, there's just nothing yeah. there. No, there's that's true. And that's the thing is we're kind of thinking to ourselves, well, they got some options out there. You know, I do think, I you know, the reason Ajayi makes more sense than Spencer Ware or somebody like trading for Jordan Howard, or I, I think trading for Duke Johnson makes all the sense in the world because he's a different type of player than Ajayi. And I think that would make the most sense. You bring Ajayi back on a, on a cheap one-year deal. Again, another guy who had a great 2017 who was hurt last year, and you can probably get him on a cheap one-year prove-it deal. It's what the Eagles did with uh, Vinny Curry and with Sandejo and with Ronald Darby this, this offseason. I think they can do that with Ajayi as well. Ajayi is a talented player, and you hope that Corey Clement bounces back. And if you trade for Duke Johnson, you've got your Darren Sproles replacement. And so I think... I think the Eagles, even if I wouldn't feel 100% confident in that in, in that group, I think the Eagles would feel confident there. And I don't know enough about Josh Jacobs to say whether or not he should go number 25. I just know what I read, and what I read is that teams are all over the place on him as to whether or not he's a first-round talent or a second-round talent. And I, I can't say whether one is more right than the other. What I can say is the Eagles have done enough in free agency that they don't have to reach for any particular position. And so if they really like Josh Jacobs and they know that he's not going to be there when they come around in the second round, they've done enough in free agency so that they can take a swing at Josh Jacobs at the running back position and not feel like they have to grab an edge rusher here or a defensive tackle or a safety or a cornerback or anything like that. You know, that's one of the, that's one of the good things about how they've approached free agency here so far this off season. So, you know, it's been, they, they have not drafted a running back since Keith Byers in 1986. And, you know, the Eagles' history of drafting running backs has been hit or miss over the years, but they've been hit or miss at drafting every position. So is every other team. The draft is a mystery. So, you know, Josh Jacobs is most likely the number one running back. If you can get the number one running back off the board at number 25, again, not having just seeing the little bit of tape on, on Jacobs that I've seen, I probably would not hate that move because at least it would show me too they're wanting to add, they're wanting to invest something significant at that position, which they haven't shown that they've wanted to do that in the last decade, really. Yeah, and it's the kind, Josh Jacobs is the kind of 
profile of a player who would be okay in the first round in terms of value. Like this isn't a guy who is just like a, a two down player, you know, like he's your North South runner. He doesn't catch the ball. Like basically like I'm trying to say like Garrett Blunt, you know, he doesn't profile as that kind of like yeah, player yeah. who isn't going to be your, you know, three down running back as a guy who can only help you in certain phases. Like, no, Josh Jacobs seems to have that kind of versatility where he can help you in multiple phases as a runner, as a pass catcher. So I just think that's the kind of guy who would kind of profile more as a guy they would be okay with in the first round. The example that I believe Mosher used was that, you know, the Eagles were willing to take Christian McCaffrey at pick number 14 if he made it there back in 2017. And again, that's the same kind of guy, a guy who can help you as a receiver. I mean, that's the that's the big thing, really, honestly. If you're looking at a running back that high, can this guy catch passes? Because it has to, like, that's where the premium resources should be going into the passing game. And if that can help, and, you know, look, we saw the Eagles rumored to be interested in Le'Veon Bell, and ultimately it didn't materialize, but that doesn't mean they didn't have interest. It just probably could have meant that the money didn't work out. But I think, you know, you're looking at that kind of player that would be really nice to have for Carson Wentz as a guy who who can kind of just check down to and have that option in the passing game as opposed to really getting nothing out of your running backs in the in the right. passing game. So right. I think that's kind of something to keep an eye on. I think that's I just feel like that's the kind of running back they're missing. So maybe you get that in a Josh Jacobs, maybe you get that in a Duke Johnson. But I feel like that's something they definitely need to add to the offense is a pass catching running back. And one of the nice things that we did see from Corey Clement at the end of the season, I feel like we got to see a little bit of 2017 Clement late in the season. Whatever was going on with him, whether he was dealing with an injury or whether he was just not all there this year, whatever it happened to be, I feel like he kind of came back towards the very end of the season and we got a he started we started seeing the flashes of the guy who could break tackles, a guy who could be productive down near the goal line, a guy who could catch the ball out of the backfield. And hopefully adding him to the mix this year, uh, a rejuvenated or a, a guy, a, a Clement that's not injured and dealing with some kind of problems, whatever was going on, can also add to the – that would like be like adding a running back, frankly, because he really was a non-factor for most of the season this year. So – uh, it will be interesting to see what the Eagles do at running back. They do need to do something. Um, real quick, before we get to our next break, BLG, let's take a look at some of the draft prospects that are coming in for a visit here this over the next couple of weeks. You've got Oklahoma offensive tackle Cody Ford, Ole Miss wide receiver A.J. Brown, Arkansas guard center Helda Froholt, TCU defensive end L.J. Collier, Old Dominion defensive end O'Shane Ziminis, uh, Michigan running back Karen Higdon, Florida safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Alabama State offensive tackle, Titus Howard. Any of those names, or actually probably more to the point, any of those positions really jump out at you, BLG? And I will also add, which came in just tonight, right before the show here, uh, Penn State cornerback, Amani Oruwarie. So uh, oh, one, okay. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of their 30, uh, almost a third have already been reported out there. Um, you're seeing offensive linemen, obviously, with Cody Ford and Titus Howard. I, I definitely think that's still on their radar. Even though you bring Jason Peters back, you know, if there's a if there's an offensive tackle like you really love at 25, you're going to take him. Uh, even, yeah. you know, you, it doesn't matter you have Jordan Mylotta or whatever. Like, you're going to take that guy and you're going right. to just hope it works out and have a plan for him. And if it's Cody Ford... Uh, if it doesn't work out down the road, you can always just move him over to guard at some point. So I, I don't even know if Cody Ford makes it to them, by the way. that's It's very possible he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, the A.J. Yeah. Brown one is interesting because that guy played a lot of slot receiver for Ole Miss. <laughs> and as we know, the Eagles are already paying the most money, uh, the most amount of money to their starting receivers in the NFL. 
especially you know having Nelson Aguilar there at 9.4 million, as we've talked about ad nauseum in the slot. So that one's really interesting to me. I mean, even if it's not moving on from Aguilar this year, which I mean, I feel like they almost would if they're drafting a guy like AJ Brown, who's probably like Ben Solak said to me, he was like top 30, third somewhere 30 to 50 in that range in terms of picks. Um, so potentially a day two guy for the Eagles. Like you would think they have some kind of plan for him. But even if not, like Aguilar is still going to be a free agent next offseason. So that's something to keep in mind. You're still seeing them look into edge rushers, you know, in Collier and Zimenez. So these are not surprising positions overall. They don't necessarily need immediate starters because, again, I think Harry Risman, for the exception really of running back, has done a nice job of kind of filling those immediate holes, but kind of just setting themselves up to hopefully, you know, just be able to pick the quote unquote best player available if that's available to them when it, as it relates to 25 and, and whatever, you know, all these other picks they have on day two. So you can't make too much of visits because sometimes they're at least Howie Roseman has said in the past, he uses them sometimes for smoke screens. But, you know, they're looking into these prospects. So, and usually they do draft at least like one or two of these guys from those top 30 they bring in. So it's certainly worth keeping an eye on those names and remembering them come draft time. But uh, for now, it's kind of just cursory information. All right, well, up next, uh, we're going to get into a proposal that was made by the Eagles uh, that was quickly taken off the table that has to do with the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys hosting Thanksgiving games. Very interesting stuff here, and we'll also get into stuff with some Vegas odds for the Super Bowl coming up this year. Uh, We'll do that next right here on BGN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back on BGN Radio. BLG, this was very interesting. Came down on Thursday. Uh, Pro Football Talk uh, reported this, that the Eagles made a proposal to have the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys stop hosting every Thanksgiving. And instead, those two teams would have to play on the road on some Thanksgiving. So alternate uh, home and road one year from the next. And uh, the Eagles... However, then withdrew the the proposal, presumably according to Pro Football Talk, because it was not going to pass. But uh, this is an interesting proposal, and it really kind of highlighted something that I, it never occurred to me before, and that is that the Lions and the Cowboys really possess a huge advantage over the rest of the NFL in terms of playing Thursday night games on the road, doesn't it, BLG? Yeah, and it's manifested in Super Bowl wins for those teams, too. Get the shots in where you can, my man. Um, uh, not recently, of course. Uh, and, and in the case of the Lions, not at all. But seriously, yeah, this Never, is kind yeah. of a... Um, I feel weird calling it a major deal, but I think it's significant. I mean, because if like one game, any single game in an NFL season could have huge ramifications, like any one single game looking back on a season. And I'm glad this came up, by the way, because like I looked into this on Thursday night and I see that since Thursday night football began in 2006, the Cowboys have played just two Thursday road games, just two on the road. And neither of them were on short rest because they played previously on Thanksgiving the week before. So they're playing on Thursday night on the road but they're having a whole week to prepare like they normally would for any given game. Now, by comparison, 
in the same amount of time. The Eagles have played five Thursday night away games on short rest in that same span. Come on. Zero for the Cowboys and five for the Eagles. Like, that's – what is that? And by the way – It's not fair. It's not fair. That's and that's only for now. Like, there's no way. Like, because of the, if the Cowboys are going to keep getting home games like this, it's probably going to keep working out where they're not. The Cowboys are not going to be playing road Thursday night games for the considerable future, and the Eagles probably will. So, like, it's just it's BS. It's BS. Even if it doesn't matter a ton, which I think it matters somewhat. Like, the NFL should be aiming to make this kind of as fair as possible. Like, that's what you should be expecting. There should be a level playing field here. Like, that should be the goal, right? Like, we we want right for as much as possible. Parity. They want parity, right? I mean, for that's as much the whole as possible. Point. Like, I'm not saying like un- like it just seems reasonable to me that. It would be some kind of level playing field. It shouldn't be zero versus five. If it's like two versus five, that's a, that's like, okay, that's just whatever. But like zero versus five, it just seems a little extreme. And I feel like the NFL should just, you know, be doing a better job. Like, why can't we rotate Dallas and Detroit playing home and away? Like, why can't we do that? Uh, I think it would be just cool too. Putting the rest thing aside for a second, like, wouldn't it just be nice to have other city cities host Thanksgiving games like every once in a while? I think it'd be kind of a new dynamic for other cities to get in on that while you still keep the tradition alive of Dallas and the uh, the Lions playing every year. It's not like they're saying you have to end the, the tradition. The thing that I wonder about here is Jerry Jones' son, Stephen Jones, is on the league's competition committee. So... I'm sure he is not exactly sad that the Eagles withdrew this. And I guess we can talk about why they withdrew it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing – see, they did this exact thing with the jersey proposal back a couple of years ago when they were trying to get the third helmet involved. Oh, yeah. For the Kelly Green. Yeah. They also withdrew that. I guess it's because, like, they kind of just get a feel for it. Like an exit poll, I guess you could kind of say. Like, hey, like, does right. this even have a shot to pass? And it's like, no, no shot in hell. And I guess it's kind of like they just withdraw at that point because there's not even any kind of traction on it. Like maybe they can't get anyone to even say that that would be interested. But I don't know why teams wouldn't be interested in passing this because it's clearly an advantage. Like you can debate how much of an advantage it is, but it is an advantage to some extent. And it's just unnecessary. Like there, there shouldn't there's no good reason that this should be an unfair advantage for other teams uh, that the Cowboys have over them. And it just is. No, and you're right. I mean, it hasn't been the difference between the Cowboys winning Super Bowls and the Lions winning Super Bowls and the rest of the league mm-hmm. winning Super Bowls. It's just that's just not fair. I mean, generally speaking, these games that are played on Thanksgiving are generally won by the better team. The Lions do not typically win their Thanksgiving games in in recent memory over the last 10, 15 years. Since they started doing Thanksgiving games way back in the day, the Lions have been bad more often than they've been good, and hosting that game hasn't necessarily been anything special for them. The Cowboys, again, too, have, have not won a Super Bowl in a long time. So you're right, this isn't... This isn't the difference between going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs, but maybe last year it was. Maybe last year the Cowboys, I don't remember what they did on Thanksgiving, whether they won or they lost on Thanksgiving, but you know, they, you know, maybe if they, if they have to play a road game on Thursday, maybe they, maybe they have one fewer win than they did last year. And maybe the Eagles do win the NFC East in that situation. You know, it it ultimately probably wouldn't have mattered in the grand scheme of things um, as far as the playoffs and all that stuff went. But you're right. You kind of want to make it even when when at all possible. And 
it's just not fair that the, the Lions and the Cowboys don't have to play any short week Thursday night games. It's just not the rest of the NFL should have been totally on board with what the Eagles were pitching here. And I don't know why they weren't able to get that support, but um, maybe it's just one of those things that's tabled and they'll take it up next year or in a couple of years or something. I don't know, but it sure, I think it should be addressed. One other thing, BLG, before we wrap up, uh, Westgate Sportsbook has posted some opening odds for this year's NFC uh, NFL divisions and the Eagles open the season or open the, uh, um, the book for this offseason as even money to win the NFC East with the Cowboys at five to four odds, the Redskins at eight to one, the Giants sixteen to one. Incidentally, only the Cardinals have lower odds to win their division in the NFC than the Giants uh, BLG. Just go over a couple of these other numbers, and then I just want you to kind of tell me if any of these things jump out at you. Bears open up as the favorite in the Central at eight to five, with the Vikings and Packers both at two to one. Uh, the Saints have the best odds in the NFC South at four to at four to eleven. With the Falcons at five to one, Panthers at six to one, NFC West you've got the Rams as heavy favorites at one to two, with the Seahawks five to two and the 49ers seven to one. Dolphins have the worst odds to win their division in the NFL at forty to one. The Patriots obviously open up at at the, at the top there, and you got the Browns opening up as the favorites in the AFC North at seven to five, slightly ahead of the Steelers and Ravens, and the Colts and Chiefs easy odds openers in the South and West. Any of those teams, any of those odds raise an eyebrow for you, BLG? Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, obviously, uh, even money. <laughs> yeah. I, I I feel like there's so much reason to bet on them this year. I just, I really do. I think people are sleeping on Carson Wentz, which, by the way. They totally uh, are sleeping on Carson Wentz, they absolutely. Are, they are underestimating Carson Wentz. And by the way, if you have not already listened to the QB Sco Show on Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed, go check that out with Michael Kist and Mark Schofield breaking down Carson Wentz's performance from the 2018 season. I think people are making the same mistake, John, that people made back going into 2017, where for just some reason, and this is like a broader topic here that I guess I'm digging up, like people are just so like against Carson Wentz. It feels like inherently, like go going into the draft, everyone was hating him. Going into 2017, everyone was like, oh, he sucked as a rookie. Like There's just so much hate for Carson Wentz, and I don't get it. I don't get it. It's beyond me. How you look at that guy, like if you get to know that guy and look at his talent and say, oh, yeah, this is a guy I want to bet against. Like, no, I don't I don't think that's the guy you want to bet against. Uh, I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he doesn't have issues. The injury thing, obviously, there's there's reason to be skeptical. But I just think when you look at the whole package, I just feel like you have to come back to this. Is this a guy am I betting against or is this? a guy I'm betting on. And to me, it's very simple. That's a guy I'm betting on. When you look at the Eagles odds here, you look at that, they have the best quarterback in the NFC East and they have by far the best head coach in the NFC East. We know Washington and the Giants really aren't factors to me really at all. And for the division title here, it's a two-team race and you haven't had a repeat winner in the East since 2004. And I feel like the Cowboys right. overachieved a little bit last year in some regards. And by the way, also, they had like incredible injury luck. Like no one got hurt on that team for the most part. They didn't have to deal with nearly the same amount of injuries that the Eagles did. Uh, I just feel like things are trending back in the Eagles' direction. I feel like they've had a good offseason to this point, the Eagles. And I just feel like they're going to win the division. So I would bet on them. Um, looking at these other ones, I guess nothing stands out too much off the top of my head here. I just, I feel, uh, you know, it's the Eagles podcast. So obviously I'm going to say the Eagles are the best bet here, but I really think that's true. I got to say, I know the Browns have made a lot of additions this offseason, but it does seem weird 
to see them atop <laughs> any kind of division as having the best odds to win the division. I, I and I know Pittsburgh lost a couple of really key players in in Le'Veon Bell and uh, and Antonio Brown, but they didn't have Bell at all last year, and the running game was just fine. And uh, so I'm not I'm not I'm still not convinced I'm giving the AFC North to the Brown just yet. And I think the Ravens. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see the Ravens um, with Joe Flacco now no longer playing quarterback for most of the season. Interested to see what that team does um, in 2019 here. But yeah, I agree with you. I think I, I think especially the point that uh, the guys on the QB Sco show made and the points you just made about Carson Wentz are 100% true. I can't. I, I really would just like for people. To, it's on YouTube, and what, I don't know if it's on there legally or not, but you can watch the the, the, Amer- the America's Game video that the NFL, that the NFL Networks put out. Uh, the NFL, sorry, that NFL Films put out after you know chronicling the Eagles Super Bowl run, and just find the section where they talk about Carson Wentz. Find the portion where you hear players talking about Carson Wentz and what he did that season, how much he meant to that team. Remember your emotions when he tore his ACL when he ripped his knee apart at the end of the Rams game and how you can go from feeling like that about a player to feeling the way so many Eagles fans feel about him now when he really didn't have a bad season last year it just wasn't as amazing as the season before he definitely took a small step backward last year and he was he he suffered from injuries last year but this isn't a jerk either that you have to like, well, grit your teeth and root for because he's got so much talent. Not only does he have talent, not only did he play pretty darn well while it, it, recovering from a, knee, a massive knee injury and then also hurting his back at some point last season, he actually played pretty well after that Saints game. And, and like those guys at the, on the QB Sco show were talking about, that Saints game, I think, did color everybody's perception of Wentz's season last year. And people forgot about the three games after that. His last game of the year against the Cowboys in Dallas, he played really well. Played really well. And people just people forget about it because after they lost that Dallas game, everybody just thought the season was over. And Nick Foles came in and magically won the Rams game and somehow got them back into the playoffs and stole a game against the Chicago Bears in the wildcard round and almost stole a game in the divisional round against the Saints. I mean, just the narrative of the whole season was was kind of skewed against Carson Wentz. And I think he is going to have, if he can stay healthy BLG with a full off season of working with his receivers, of working at getting better, getting into the, getting into the playbook. The last time Carson Wentz had a full off season to train as the starting quarterback in this offense, he had an MVP type season. Yeah. So that's it. I like it. Let's do it. Any final, yeah. Any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up uh, episode number 42 of BGN radio BLG? Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about Carson Wentz a lot. Obviously, he means the starting quarterback of the Eagles. Of course, we are. And contrary to some would say, there is a lot of pressure on him in this year in 2019. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this season. And a big reason, as I've said before, and a big reason why is Carson Wentz. And honestly, I, I, I almost feel like I, I'm not going to say don't stop doubting him. Like, no, do keep doubting him because I like that almost. I feel better, I think, about Carson Wentz when people are doubting him because every time that's happened, once again, he's proven them wrong. So go ahead. Keep on doubting him. Uh, you know, let him be the underdog. I think I'll take that. I'll take the – and by the way, the people who do believe in him uh, still usually, those are the people I trust the most. And those are the people who usually are right most of the time and have good opinions. The people who doubt him the most, I feel like they're wrong a lot. So – 
I guess I should be worried <laughs> about what they have to think. Obviously, we'll see how it goes. But uh, as far as we go here now, we've kind of hit a little bit of a lull. You know, the first and second wave of free agency are kind of over. Maybe we're on to the third wave now. You know, we still want to see what they do at running back. The draft is coming up in about a month. We'll have the NFL schedule release about a week before the draft. So um, and I think we have NFL owners meetings coming up next week. So we have some things going on here still. It's not going to be totally dead. We're going to there's going to be some things that pop up. You know, they could they could trade for Duke Johnson maybe by the time this podcast is posted and then it's irrelevant and we have to do an emergency one. So who knows? There's going to be some (laughs) things that pop up, but that's why you should be following along with us here at bleedinggreennation.com and this podcast feed. Of course, if you haven't already somehow, I don't know what you're doing, but please subscribe, leave a rating, five stars, obviously, and leave a review. You know, tell us something you do like, you don't like. Give Benjamin Solak a belated happy birthday shout out. He is now 13 years old, so it's a big year. Yeah, congratulations. Um, uh, Love you, Ben. Uh, So yeah, so just do all those (laughs) things for us. It, It would make us all very happy. We appreciate your support as always. And thank you for listening. We appreciate your support at BleedingGreenNation.com and on the podcasts that make up the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And folks, that will do it for this episode of BGN Radio uh, for Brandon Lee Gowton. Again, follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the balls. BGN.